Welcome to The Blind Side. News and information from a blindness perspective. Here's Jonathan Mosen. It is a real pleasure having you with me for episode 105 of The Blind Side podcast. And given how many podcasts there are out there, I certainly appreciate you taking some time to listen to this one. It is a beautiful spring day in Wellington, New Zealand's capital. As I record this, the seasons are definitely changing for the better. Birds are singing, sun is shining, and I have a lot to tell you about. I've got a new job. It's a dream job, and it does have some ramifications for other things that I do. So we'll talk about my new role with Ira and what that means for this podcast and other places that you may be familiar with hearing or reading me. A while ago, we had a request from one of our listeners, and it was endorsed by a number of other listeners who chimed in to say, can we please have a tutorial on the Braille screen input feature of the iPhone? And if you have just scored yourself a shiny new iPhone and you know about Braille, then why not make the most of your investment and get to grips with Braille screen input if you haven't done that already. It is my favorite way of entering text into the phone. There's nothing external to carry, and it's fast, super fast if you are a competent Braille user. So if that's you, stay tuned, because after I fill you in on the job changes and the life changes, Judy Dixon will be here to demonstrate Braille screen input. In between those two things, we might get a couple of listener comments in along the way. A reminder, we always look forward to your listener comments. If you have a new iPhone, you want to tell me how you're liking that. If you have some comments or questions about Braille screen input or anything else, then do give us a call. The feedback line number is 719-270-5114. That is in the United States, 719-270-5114. And you can also email the blindside at mosin.org. That's the blindside all joined together at mosin.org. When you do that, you can attach an audio clip if you like. If you have an iPhone, that might be recorded with the shiny new Voice Memos app. They redesigned it in iOS 12. Or you could just write down your email and I'll be happy to read it out. If you've followed any of my work over the years, you will know that I'm a major Beatles fan. Both the Beatles together and separately. And I collect all sorts of stuff, all sorts of rare recordings, as well as the usual commonplace ones. One of my favourite John Lennon lyrics was actually written just before his assassination in 1980, and it is, Life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans. And boy, that is such an apt description of what I'm here to tell you about today, what I'm very excited to tell you about today. I know it's going to be bittersweet for some listeners of the Blindside podcast, because it does mean that the Blindside podcast is not going to be produced on a regular basis. It also means that Mosin Consulting is winding way back, although I do hope when time permits to produce the occasional audiobook or ebook or to update some of the existing audiobook and ebook titles that I've written. So, the gist of this is that I have accepted what for me really is my dream job. I'm going to be the Vice President for Explorer Communications and for Australasia at IRA. Now, we've talked about IRA before on the Blindside podcast. We talked about it last year, I think, for the first time when we did an interview with people at IRA, including Michael Hinkson, and we talked about how IRA was really getting in its stride, how it was rolling out. But if you haven't heard of IRA before for some reason, I know not everybody listens to every episode of the podcast, IRA is a service that essentially makes visual information available to a blind person whenever they need it. It does this through an app that you have on your smartphone and you can use your smartphone camera. You can also use a pair of glasses, 
which can be really handy when you're traveling. And of course, you've got at least one hand occupied with either a white cane or a guide dog harness. And maybe you're carrying something in the other. So the glasses, either with Ira's dedicated horizon device now or in conjunction with your phone, really can make a difference when you're doing a lot of traveling around the place. But of course, Ira is useful for so much more than travel. We use it on a regular basis to identify items at home. I use it a lot to help me with a couple of little IT challenges sometimes when there are accessibility issues. It has just changed our lives immeasurably. And most people, I think, now have read the blog post that for a while I was maintaining on this and our IRA experiences. But I will put a link to that in the show notes in case you haven't read it. You can go to mosen.org, that's M-O-S-E-N.org slash IRA if you would like to read it, mosen.org slash A-I-R-A. So before I go on any further, let me talk about some practical things so that if you don't want to sit through all of this, you get the gist of what might be important to you. First of all, the Daily Fiber Premium Podcast has now ended and I've been signaling the fact that it would end for two weeks before it ceased publication. I know that the Daily Fiber has provided a valuable service. This is our premium podcast that Mosin Consulting has been running, and it provided technology news every weekday, kind of sifted from a wide range of sources and consolidated into one bulletin that averages around about 20 minutes, sometimes fractionally more, sometimes fractionally less. So I appreciate everybody who subscribed to that, and thank you for the genuine expressions of regret that people have sent through when people have heard that the podcast is not going to continue. As for the Blindside podcast, it will cease publication on a regular basis, but at least to begin with to see how I get on, I do intend to keep the feed and the infrastructure active in case I have time to produce the occasional episode. I can tell you this, it won't be on the regular as clockwork weekly basis that we've been doing the Blindside podcast for these last couple of years or so. I just won't have the time to do that. It's not, by the way, because I know how sometimes rumors get started. It's not that Ira has asked me not to do it. It's that I'm really determined to give this role everything I have. There is so much to do, and I want to talk about that in just a minute. But also, my family and my lovely wife, Bonnie, deserve to see me a little bit as well. And I've learned over the years that there's a lot I can contribute, and I'm motivated to contribute. But I also have to think about what should I contribute? What's the right balance for me in terms of my mental health for the wonderful people that support me and uh, needing some time from me as well. And my view is there is going to be a lot of travel. There's going to be a lot of building on the amazing foundation that Suman Kuniganti and his team have built that I just want to make sure there's enough time for me and my family as well so that I don't burn out and I can give Ira all that they deserve. As many of you know, I've also had a long association with Freedom Scientific, dating all the way back to 2006. Remember that? If, <laughs> if you've been around for a long time, you may remember all the argy-bargy that was generated when I left my previous employer, which was Humanware, formerly Pulse Data International, and went to work for Freedom Scientific. You know, I have moved up and down the dial when I was working in radio full-time. And, you know, sometimes you get a bit of grief for moving up and down the dial, but it was nothing compared to the the major stuff that went down just because I changed my job back in 2006. I doubt that this one will cause quite the noise that um, that, that one did. But uh, I have been associated with Freedom Scientific in various capacities since then, since September of 2006. Most recently, looking after communications channels on the blindness side for Freedom Scientific 
including hosting FSCast, and we've produced about, I think, 160 episodes, all of which I've put together since December of 2006. So it's been a long-running podcast, and all of that, of course, is also coming to an end. I want to thank everybody that I've worked with at Freedom Scientific for their friendship and also their support, and also a special thanks to immediate colleagues with whom I have a lot of contact at Freedom Scientific who have been so supportive over the last few weeks. And they've essentially said to me, well, we're really sorry that you're moving on, which is kind of nice. It'll be nice to be missed. You know, people like to feel wanted. But they've all said, but we realize this is an amazing opportunity for you and we wish you well. And you couldn't possibly hope to transition in any better a way than that. I've no doubt that FSCast and uh, other things that I've initiated, such as the blog and the Twitter feed and a number of those initiatives, will continue under new hosting and management. And I wish whoever that new person or whoever those new people are all the very best. And I have indicated to Freedom Scientific that I'm happy to get that new person up to speed if that's what they want. And they may not need me to do that, but I'm happy to do that. So before rumors get started, it has been a very amicable transition. And for that, I'm supremely grateful. It certainly makes things much easier. I suppose when you've been around for as long as I have, sometimes you do get approached by organizations who say, you know, we think you might be able to add value. What what, what do you think? And in the last few years, I've been really enjoying the Mosin Consulting gig. Mosin Consulting has allowed me to ensure that every day that I come to work, and I love the commute, by the way, you know, just getting downstairs here and coming into the office is different. Sometimes I can be working with some major app developer of a really big company and I'm under non-disclosure agreement and it's all very formal and you've got to be careful what you say. At other times I've worked with individuals, individual app developers, and maybe a voiceover user has come to them or they've learned about voiceover somehow through Apple's promotional material and they've thought, I want this. I think it's fantastic that a blind person might be able to use my app. And so we work with a wide range of people. Of course, we've also designed websites for blind people, some blindness organizations, organization chapters and that kind of thing, sometimes small business owners who are blind. And it's been fantastic to do that work too. And just in some small way, make a contribution to help blind people thrive. If you'll allow me on this occasion, which for me is an extremely happy one, to get a bit reflective, one of the things I've learned over the years is that it's, it's really important to know what your mission in life is. I mean, your, your vocation or your career mission. What is it that drives you to bounce out of bed in the morning? And I have been in situations, not for that long, I'm pleased to say, because I had the sense to get out of it, but I have been in situations where Sunday nights are the worst And I was in this situation about 20 years ago and you'd get to Sunday night and you'd have this awful feeling in the pit of your stomach, your heart rate would go up and you'd think, oh my goodness, not another week of this, please, not another week of this. It's an awful way to feel, especially when you know you've got to try and do the right thing to provide for your family. And uh, I had a pretty young family at that stage. So you knuckle down and you get into it. Until one day it became just too unbearable and I resigned my position without anywhere to go. Not that I would recommend that. And within two hours I landed the ACB radio job. For those who don't know, I founded 
ACB Radio at ACB's direction and set that up. It was kind of like a little internet startup way back when, when the internet radio technology was pretty primitive and we had to invent a lot of concepts that are now taken for granted. So being able to do that, start something like that and work out some protocols and processes that are still being used today was a blast. And so sometimes you do have to take risks. You, you have to let the universe guide you, I think. But I learned from that exercise that what really motivates me most is making a difference. If you can get to the end of your run, whenever that run is, and you can look back and you think, I think in some small kind of way, and it doesn't have to be huge, but if in some small way, by doing what you've done, you feel like you've made the world a little bit better, then it's a life well lived, don't you think? And for me, I enjoy starting things. I enjoy building things. Um, Mushroom FM, for example, is another example of where we really came along back in 2010 and we harnessed social media in a bold new way and we used it to generate interest and to generate listener interaction and it was so much fun. I enjoy the process of idea generation, of kicking ideas around, of thinking what would happen, what would be the consequences if we did this. I'm also an advocate. I have a background, a master's degree in public policy. Some people may not know that I managed the government relations department for what is now known as the Blind Foundation here in New Zealand for about five years. And this is one of the things that motivates me as well. And again, that's another way to make a difference. So I look back at some of the legislation that I had a hand in getting changed in New Zealand including our Copyright Act, which ultimately turned into the Marrakesh Treaty, which is benefiting blind people globally. It's a blast. It's it's wonderful to feel like you can make that difference. So even though I have had people from time to time come to me and talk about, you know, what would you, how would you like to come and join such and such an organization? It's not something I've pursued before now in recent times because I've just felt like I've been in a groove. But IRA represents for me as I say, a dream job, a dream opportunity in a whole bunch of ways. So let me tell you about some of the things that I'll be doing and why it's so exciting to me. In my blog post, I chronicled, while it was still fresh, I'm pleased to say, the first time I used Ira to get all the way through a really complicated hotel full of people and twists and turns. And as you will also know, if you are a regular listener or reader of mine, I have a hearing impairment, and so those hotels are a nightmare. And it was just so wonderful to have that freedom, that that grace, that ease of movement to quickly move around the hotel whenever I wanted. And sometimes there's just so much noise and so much sound bouncing off walls that I've tended to wait until I could connect with somebody sighted or maybe somebody blind with better hearing than me to navigate those really big places. And that's why it had such a profound effect on me when I first used Ira in that way. And I'm glad I wrote it down when it was fresh, because I go back and revisit it sometimes and it reminds me just how transformative Ira actually is. And I want as many people as possible to have access to that freedom as well. That really does drive me. And I know that it's going to get me out of bed, bouncing around every morning, getting ready to spend another day making a difference with Ira. There'll be various ways I'll be able to facilitate that. Being responsible for IRA in the Australasia region, so that is Australia and New Zealand, I'm going to be particularly interested in rolling out IRA access opportunities. IRA access is the service that makes IRA available at various businesses 
and it's really starting to roll out in the United States. I mentioned in the Blindside podcast last week about the fact that AT&T stores are now IRA access locations in the United States. And I know that made a big difference for people who either are full explorers right now or downloaded the IRA app and signed up as a guest and were able to use IRA at AT&T stores for free. Absolutely fantastic. University campuses, airports, the Wegmans supermarket store, all of these places are now getting IRA in such a way that even if you can't afford the service, then you'll be able to make use of it. And I think that's super exciting. I want to see what we can do in this part of the world to roll out IRA access in some really innovative places. And I think the size of our countries, Australia and New Zealand, may be able to facilitate us doing some really exciting and pioneering things. I'm excited about exploring government opportunities for funding in both countries for as many people as possible to have the benefits of IRA. I think there are many economic arguments to be made in IRA's favour in terms of productivity, efficiency, the fact that somebody may not have to drive to your place of work or drive to your home to provide sighted assistance on their terms at the time that they specify. Instead, you can have this sighted assistance, this visual information available to you when you need it. Many of us relate to how necessary it has been up until now to stockpile tasks. So you have a whole bunch of things that you need read maybe, you know, or or maybe things identified, visual tasks, essentially, all kinds of visual tasks that you stockpile until you have somebody who can assist. And of course, with IRA, you don't have to stockpile them. You've got that visual information accessible 24-7 on demand. The term game changer may well be overused these days. This one is not an overuse. This is a game changer. I'm excited about spreading that word and doing what we can. In terms of the work I'll be doing for IRA at a global level, we'll be making sure that we find innovative and effective ways to communicate all of the new initiatives that IRA will be rolling out to explorers around the world. And there's a lot happening at IRA. That interests me too. I've had the chance to get to know some of the team at IRA. And the reason why IRA is doing so well is because how well Saman Kanuganti and his team have chosen the team. The team is innovative, smart, intelligent. They function well together and deeply committed to making a difference. The team spirit, the motivation within IRA is highly contagious and it makes it a very attractive place to go when somebody says, hey, how about it? We've seen thought leaders in the blindness technology industry before and it's been my pleasure to have met most of them and worked with some of them. And I'm talking about people like Ted Henter, Dean Blasey, Glenn Gordon, Russell Smith, Jonathan Sharp, who is a genius with user interface when it comes to blindness and he developed the original Keysoft and worked on that for many years. Ray Kurzweil, a number of these people who've just made a substantial difference to our lives, some of them blind, some of them not, but without exception, all people who have communicated closely with blind people. Suman is right up there. He is one of those thought leaders, assistive technology pioneers, who in my view has already earned his place alongside those great names in our industry. And the nice thing is he's only just getting started Iris, I can get used to saying we are only getting started. There's some great technology in place now. The IRA dashboard, of course, gives IRA agents access to a wide range of information, including a video feed of where you are, GPS data, other map data, that kind of information. But more will be happening. 
the really exciting thing for me is that we're on the cusp of connectivity catching up with Ira's dreams. When 5G starts to roll out and you have these massive pipes, much larger amounts of bandwidth to go around, that is going to make Ira's service available in many more places, more consistently. And what you will also see is a convergence between the human agent and artificial intelligence. There is some great stuff being cooked up in the lab, and that will only continue. So I hope you can see that the job that I'll be doing in Ira is really the culmination of my life's work. It's extraordinary. So I'll be able to use my government relations skills, my public policy skills. I'll be able to use my podcasting skills. I have no doubt we'll get an Ira podcast up at some point soon, and we'll look forward to that. We'll be pursuing other communications endeavors. The technology behind Ira is super exciting, and so it's great technology to work with. And now coming on board on Ira's leadership team, I'll be able to have input into a wide range of areas in terms of how the company goes forward. It is an extraordinary privilege. It is one of the great privileges and honors of my life to take on this role. And so while I know that some people will be sad about some of my other activities going away, I hope you'll also be happy if you're a current Ira Explorer or if you are a potential Ira Explorer. If you haven't got Ira yet and you've been considering it, I hope you will. I'll be happy to help you. (laughs) Most people know where to find me and I'll be happy to assist with that. Of course, it is not until the 15th of October, which is a great day to start a new blindness-related job, right? Because that's International White Cane Day. So the 15th of October is when I start with Ira. I'll have a lot of learning to do, of course. It's important to take a few deep breaths and do a lot of listening and just learn a lot in those first few weeks. But also the momentum within IRA is such that I'm sure you'll be hearing from me sooner rather than later. Mushroom FM is a voluntary project. It's kind of like an equivalent of a sports team that you might participate in in your spare time, a golf club or or some sort of hobby thing. And so I do intend to continue Mushroom FM. We have a great team there, so there's not too much for me to do apart from keeping the systems humming along and doing my uh, shows. The Mosin Explosion will continue. I did have a little bit of an internal discussion with myself. That's a bit scary, isn't it? Because the Blindside podcast gets substantially more listeners than the Mosin Explosion does. And so if I was letting my head rule the decision, then the Mosin Explosion would be axed and the Blindside podcast would continue. The thing is, though, since this isn't a business decision, you can let your heart rule the decision on this one. And the Mosin Explosion has been going for such a long time. We've had listeners who have listened to the show in its various guises since 1999 or 2000. And so that's a long time to be doing one thing on the Internet. And I just don't want to let that go. It's a great family kind of atmosphere with the Mosin Explosion. We've had people meet through the show and fall in love and get married and all sorts of fun things like that. And we kind of keep tabs on each other's lives. It's a great atmosphere. And if you have not listened to the Mosin Explosion, well, maybe if you don't have the blind side to listen to every week, you might have a few hours to give it a shot. It is on at 2 p.m. Eastern time. That is 1800 UTC, right, on a Sunday. And it is on Mushroom FM, which you can find in Alexa and Google Home, in Sonos, through TuneIn, and, of course, the TuneIn app, and on the web at mushroomfm.com. So I do intend to keep that going. And although I do intend to do at least one more, probably one more episode of The Blind Side before we stop the regular schedule of publication, since we are talking about this now, 
Let me thank everybody so much for listening to the Blindside podcast, but also for your support of Mosin Consulting. It was a big leap of faith starting this in 2013, and I blog about this if you want to know my reflections on the, the virtual shutting up shop, apart from the occasional ebook and audiobook of Mosin Consulting, you can go to the Mosin Consulting blog and read my blog post there. But it was a big leap of faith to do Mosin Consulting. It was uh, exciting and frightening at the same time. And it would not have been a success if people hadn't come and given us the business. And so the credit belongs to you, whether you've bought an audio tutorial or ebook, or whether we've designed something for you. I just want to thank you so much. And I look forward very much to serving the blind community in new and super exciting ways with my new role as VP of Australasia, as well as Explorer Communications at IRA beginning on October the 15th. Cannot wait to get started. And thank you for your support. Feel the need to sound off? Share your thoughts about this week's show by email. Send an audio file or write it down and email the blind side at mosin.org and the phone line the feedback line number 719-270-5114 719-270-5114 to Florida we go and an email we received after the podcast that we did on the airport keynote and somehow I left it out last week in the excitement of getting the new toy this is from Merv Keck who starts off greetings always kind of scary when somebody starts off an email with greetings it's kind of like Hello, Earthlings. You know, it's like one of those old space movies or something. Anyway, I, I digress. Murph says, I enjoyed the podcast that you, Heidi, and David did after the Apple event. I listened to it this morning via AirPlay 2 on my Sonos group in the living room, which I have dubbed Coolio Cafe. That's very exotic, Murph. He says, since it's an open plan and the living room, dining room and kitchen are all covered in the group. I wanted to let you know that the feature set associated with falling will also come in handy for those with seizure disorders. Two years ago, I had a very bad seizure when home alone, and when I should have been in the hospital, I was on the floor for hours. I also hope this new series is built to last, because the Series 1 literally fell apart after about eight months. I was walking down the hallway in my apartment, and it just fell off my arm, leaving part of it on the arm and the rest on the floor. Now, here is a really important question. I know it is technically an iPhone X. However, since it is written iPhone XS and iPhone XS Max, as Heidi so helpfully pointed out, it occurred to me that an atheist will have quite a mouthful if he incorrectly vocalizes this around certain religious holidays. I bet you can't say, Santa, may I please have an iPhone XS Max for Xmas three times really fast thanks again for the great podcast oh i almost forgot says merv i want 512 gigabytes on my iphone because i live in florida when hurricanes cause me to go without power and sometimes internet for five or six days i like having as many books movies and albums as i can at my fingertips and when the cloud is out of reach i have a handful of big batteries here 512 gigabytes will be just right there you go. Good luck justifying that with the boss move. That's what I can say. <laughs> uh, Bonnie had a very similar experience with her Apple Watch. She had the original one, which I think technically they call the Series Zero. She has got the Series 3 now. But one day hers just sort of 
well, fell apart in a similar way. Hers kind of expanded. What happened to hers was the, the Apple Watch expanded and the screen popped off the top. Extraordinary it was. And so I got her a Series 3 watch and then Henry, the wonder son-in-law, he got Bonnie's old watch and kind of put it together and glued it up. And I don't think the the force touch worked after that, but it worked for a wee while longer. And he was quite pleased to have got a free Apple Watch out of it, but it now has um, gone to meet its maker. Yes, we, we sent it back to Tim Cook. <laughs> no, not really, but um, it's, it's, it's seen better days, let's put it that way. So uh, good luck, move with your purchasing decisions, and it's a really good point about the seizure detection. Hey, everyone at The Blind Side. This is Sean Williams from Michigan. Well, it's that time of year again. I am going to upgrade my iPhone 7 Plus to... Possibly the iPhone Max. Jonathan, here's a quick question for you. In testing with the iPhone Max, I understand from your previous episode of The Blind Side, which is very great, by the way, that you were not able to record in stereo using Ferrite. But you were, however, after some fiddling around, able to record video uh, in stereo. So I had a thought, you know how those thoughts come to you. I said, all right, I wonder if he has tried voice memos. Because my thinking, and maybe this is incorrect and totally crazy, totally bonkers, but my thinking is, I wonder if the stereo effect of the recordings only happens on native Apple apps. So I'm just curious if you tried voice memos. Excellent thinking, Sean. And actually, I got inundated and inundated with um, the same question from people on Twitter and, and email. Um, so it's a good question. And I should have tried it on the podcast, but I did try it after the podcast. And the answer is just the same. I contacted the developer of Ferrite, who's super responsive, and he's just released another update with more cool voiceover features. If you are seriously into recording, then Ferrite's a wonderful app. There are other ones as well uh, that are simpler to use, but of course not quite as powerful. Just Press Record is great. And uh, that one now has Siri shortcut support, which is just super. I will be talking to the uh, Tech Talk, Accessible Worlds Tech Talk, this coming Monday as I put this podcast together. So that's the 1st of October. And I will devote quite a bit of time to Siri shortcuts because they are the killer feature in iOS 12. I am just loving being able to tell my phone to play certain radio stations and do a whole bunch of cool things all with Siri shortcuts. Loving it. And now Just Press Record has a Siri shortcut as well. But anyway, I'm, I'm digressing from your question. So I did try the Voice Memos app. It had the same result as other audio apps I've tried. In other words, you could not record in stereo using the built-in mics. The Ferrite developer did some ferriting around for me and he came back and he confirmed that this is a trick that Apple is doing in software where the the, um, the iPhone has had multiple microphones for some time. So there's nothing particularly new about the fact that there are multiple mics uh, in, in the device. Uh, they've been used for noise cancellation predominantly in the past and some sort of software algorithm is allowing those mics to be separated for video recording. It is not allowing that same thing to happen in audio recording, and it's not something that's being made available through, say, a software API to third-party developers, nor is it something that Apple is enabling for audio apps. So in other words, if you want to use 
the built-in microphones to record in stereo with any of the current iPhones, you are unfortunately out of luck. And I think there is a pretty compelling accessibility use case. I mean, let's be clear about this, that you are going to get better performance if you have a really good quality microphone plugged into the Lightning connector and you're recording in stereo. And there are a number of really good microphones that serve that purpose. Blue Yeti will do it, of course. I've got a stereo pattern in the Blue Yeti, uh, at least in the, the big one. And um, there's uh, the, the Zoom IQ5 and IQ6. There's a bunch of mics that do very good stereo audio recording. However, if you would like the ease of being able to do this with the built-in mics in the iPhone, then maybe drop Apple an email and suggest to them, can you please enable this for audio recording as well as video recording? Maybe make it an option somewhere for people who do want to use it. And uh, I did let Tim Cook know my feelings on that. And maybe we can let Apple Accessibility know and just say, look, you know, respectfully, there is a need that you might want to consider filling with this. I hope you enjoy your new iPhone, Sean. I know that you will. Here's Vanessa Ransley in Australia. Hi, Vanessa. Good to hear from you. Hi, Jonathan, she says. I, <laughs> I wish I could be a phone nudist like you, but I am just too clumsy. I've just purchased an iPhone XS. It arrived in the post on Friday 21-9-2018. Ooh, right on time, eh, Vanessa? I ordered an Apple Folio case for my iPhone XS, and it arrived today. I went for the Cape Cod Blue Folio, as I like to carry my taxi concession cards, some ID, and an emergency $50 note with my phone. That way... I know I won't forget it. Oh, this is good to know, Vanessa, because next time I see you at one of these blindness conferences in Australia, I know you'll have enough to buy me a glass of kombucha or whatever. So this is good intel. Good intel, this is. Anyway, I hardly take my actual wallet anywhere these days, as I tend to use Apple Pay on my Series 2 Apple Watch. I love my new phone in case. It is so fast and responsive. I don't miss the home button at all. Lovely to hear from you in Tassie there, Vanessa. Have a good time with that phone. Sounds like you're enjoying it. It's time to hear from this week's featured guest on The Blind Side. Hello, everyone. This is Judy Dixon, and I am going to do a short demo of Braille Screen Input. For those of you not familiar with Braille Screen Input, it's a way for you to use six fingers to type Braille on your iPhone or iPad. In this demo, I'm only going to talk about Braille screen input on the iPhone. There are a few extra features for Braille screen input on an iPad. And if you're interested in those, you can see a full discussion in my book, Writing Your Way, from National Braille Press. Braille screen input is really very cool. But it is one of those things where there's a fair bit of setup. It works great once you know how to do it and you get everything working the way it's supposed to. But there's a few things to do before you get to that point. Braille screen input is accessed from the rotor. It is not on the rotor by default. So that's the first thing we need to do is add it to the rotor. So let's have Siri open voiceover settings. Open voiceover settings. Let's take a look at the settings for voiceover. Voiceover, heading, voiceover, on. Voiceover speaks items on the screen. 
We'll go down to rotor. Speech. Verbosity. Rail. Audio. Rotor. Button. Double tap on that. Voice over. Back button. Here's where all the items that are on your rotor or could be on your rotor are listed. We'll go down through the list until we find Braille screen input. Rotor. Select. Reorder. Select. Reorder. Select. Reorder. Selected. Text select. Reorder. Speaking rate. Reorder. Volume. Reorder. Selected. Audio ducking. Reorder. Punctuation. Reorder. Selected. Sounds. Reorders. Braille screen input. There's Braille screen input. We'll select it. Selected. Braille screen input. Now, I recommend that you put Braille screen input either at the top of your list of rotor items or the bottom. If you put it at the top, it will very often be one rotor to the right. And if you put it at the bottom, it'll be very often one rotor to the left. Sometimes VoiceOver likes to put in other rotor items that will get in your way, like misspelled words and things like that. But for the most part, it'll be where you want it to be, or at least close by. And this depends on whether you like to rotor to the right or rotor to the left. So I'm going to move it to the top because that's where I like it. Reorder selected. Braille screen input. Reorder braille screen input. Selected. Braille screen input. Reorder braille screen input. Button. Draggable. Double tap and hold. Wait for the sound. Then drag to rearrange. I'm going to double tap and hold and move it to the top. Moved above sound. Moved above. Moved above audio duck. Moved above volume. Moved above speaking rate. Moved above text. Moved above lines. Moved above words. Moved above characters. I know that characters is at the top, so I'm going to lift my finger. And we'll back out of rotor. Voice over. Back button. Rotor. Button. Now there's a few more things we can do while we're here in voiceover settings. But anything you set here, you can change later. So you can try one thing, then you can try another and see what works best for you. We can set the kind of Braille we want to use in Braille screen input. And for this, we have to go into the Braille settings. Rotor. Button. Audio. Button. Braille. Button. Voice over. Back button. So we'll open Braille and flick to Braille screen input. Braille. Output. Input. Braille screen. State. Braille screen input. Select it. Braille. Back button. Braille screen input. Heading. Uncontracted 6.braille. Here we can choose uncontracted 6.braille. Selected. Contracted Braille. Contracted Braille. Reverse dot positions. Off. And we can reverse dot positions. I choose contracted Braille, and I think it works pretty well. So we'll back out of Braille screen input. Braille. Back button. Braille screen input. Contracted. Button. And while we're in Braille settings, we can check our Braille code and see if it's what we want it to be. Status cells. Equations used. Show on screen key. Turn pages when. Word wrap. Braille code. English. Unified. Button. Braille. Back button. In the United States, we have some choices here. Yours may be different. Braille code. Heading. Selected. English. Unified. English. U.S. English. United Kingdom. Apple calls what we used to call English Braille American Edition, the code we used before Unified English Braille. Apple calls it English US, but whatever. Um, I'm choosing 
UEB, and Apple's UEB is pretty good. You can also set the kind of feedback you want to hear, how much you want to hear while you're in Braille screen input. And you can do this while you're here in voiceover settings. So we'll flick down to typing feedback. Audio. Button. Rotor. Button. Rotor actions. Typing style. Phonetic feedback. Typing feedback. Button. And we'll select that. Selected. Voiceover. Back button. And we'll go down to Braille screen input. Typing feed. Software. Nothing. Character. Words. Selected. Hardware keyboards. Nothing. Character. Words. Selected. Character. Braille screen input. Heading. And we have the same choices here. Nothing. Nothing. Characters. Characters. Words. Words. Selected. Characters and words. And characters and words. And that may seem a bit verbose, and perhaps it is, but uh, it works pretty well for me, so that's what I've chosen. And we'll get out of typing feedback. Voice over. Back button. Typing feedback. Button. So that's about all the setup we need to do for Braille screen input. Now let's see how we actually use it. I use Braille screen input to write short text messages, to write emails, to write notes, that sort of thing. It's very efficient for me. And I've, a lot of people have said to me, well, why don't you just dictate? I invariably need to edit something when I dictate. And that matters. I like to have things uh, be as accurate as possible. So with Braille screen input, I have a bit more control over the accuracy of the things that I write. Also, it's a little more private, a little more discreet, and I don't have cab drivers constantly, would you say? Because uh, they think I'm talking to them when I'm really dictating a message. I'll be home soon. What? Okay. So let's try writing some text with Braille screen input. There's a few more things to explain. And we'll go into notes. Notes. Double tap. Note. So I'm going to open a new note. New note. Button. New note. Note. Text field. Is editing. Character mode. Insertion point at start. Now you can invoke Braille screen input anytime there's a keyboard on the screen. There's sometimes you can invoke it when there's not a keyboard, but I'll get to that in a minute. So I'm going to rotor once to the right. Braille screen input, orientation locked, landscape, home button to the right, tabletop mode, contracted. Now it said a lot of things there. One of the things it said was orientation locked. And when you use Braille screen input, you hold your phone in landscape. The default has it with the home button to the left or your imaginary home button. If you can remember where the home button used to be. And you can also flip your phone over so that Braille screen input or reorients itself. But once you get it set up like you want it, you can lock it. And you lock it with a three finger swipe up. Orientation unlocked. There. Screen away mode. I just unlocked mine. So it happened to say screen away mode because I'm holding it almost vertically. And screen away mode means that you wrap your fingers around the ends of the phone and use three fingers on each end that will line up with the dots. If I lay it down, tabletop mode. It says tabletop mode. 
I personally prefer tabletop mode. I find I'm using it now even when the phone is in my hands because I balance the phone on my two thumbs and I loop my little fingers around the ends. It's, I just find it more accurate. I generally calibrate every time I start to use Braille screen input. And you do that by doing a 456L. Dot positions calibrated. And some people have told me they have trouble with that. I do it about dot, dot, about that fast. 456L. Dot positions calibrated. It'll say dot positions calibrated. And I'm going to lock my orientation again. Orientation locked. And let's start writing. Dot six. I. Capital I. A. M. M. W. R. I. T. I. N. G. Writing. A. A. S. H. O. R. T. Short. N. O. T. B. Note. T. O. 2. S. H. O. W. Show. Dot six. J. O. N. Apostrophe. T. H. Dots one four five six. Made a mistake. Have to back up. Dot three. Dots one three four five. One three four five. That must be an N. N. A. T. A. A. N. Apostrophe. S. Jonathan's. L. I. S. T. E. N. E. R. S. Listeners. H. O. W. How. B. R. L. Braille. S. C. R. B. E. N. Screen. I. N. P. U. T. Input. Dot five. W. S. Period. Works. Now, one limitation of Braille screen input is you can't read back what you wrote unless you get out of it. As I was writing there, I did a one flick to the right for a space, two finger flick to the right. New line. For a new line. I can do one finger back to the left. New line. Space. Period. That's a backspace. DIS. If you want to correct and you correct while you're still writing a word, you can edit it anyway. If you've already spaced, then you do get into those contracted braille quirkinesses. And the best thing I can tell you is if you don't want to bend your head around how to fix it, just erase the word and start over. Period. Works. Input. A two finger swipe to the left will delete a word. The way to get out of Braille screen input is to rotor out. Portrait. I just did a rotor to the left. It said portrait. And now I can read my note. Note. Text field. Is editing. I am writing a short note to show Jonathan's listeners how Braille screen. Body. System font. 17 point. Dark gray. That's because I deleted the word works. Okay. I'm back on my home screen. One of the fun things you can do with Braille screen input is see how many apps you have on your phone. So I'm going to rotor once to the right. Braille screen input. Orientation locked. Landscape. Home button to the right. Tabletop mode. Six dot. Contractions off. And then I'm going to do a single finger swipe to the left. 592 apps. 592 apps. Well, with all those apps, it is really hard to find them. And I have them all in a lot of folders, and the folders are in alphabetical order and all of that. And I have my favorite apps on a single home page. But one of the cool things you can do with Braille screen input is to locate an app. And let's say I want to open Wikipedia. So I just did open to Braille screen input, and I'm going to type a W. 
W. 34 apps. Walgreens. I have 34 apps that start with W. And I can type another letter to narrow that down. I. 3 apps. Wi-Fi map. Swipe right with two fingers to launch. And when you hear the name of an app, it's giving you the first app that starts with those letters. So I could flick down right now. Wikipedia. And Wikipedia would be the very next one. And to open Wikipedia, as instructed, I would swipe right with two fingers. Wikipedia. Three settings. Button. Yeah, I know. I could use Siri. But this is really a good way, especially if you can't always remember the name of the 592 apps on your phone. Well, that's about it for Braille screen input. There's a lot of details, but it is super fun and really, really efficient. If you want to learn more about Braille screen input, there's a bit more detail in writing your way. So I hope you have a look at that. And thanks very much for listening. Bye. And thank you, Judy. Really appreciate you taking time out to put that together for us. It's a great demo of a pretty cool feature, one of my favorite features of the iPhone in terms of accessibility Braille screen input. And that concludes this edition of the podcast. A reminder one more time of our contact information, the blind side at mosin.org if you want to send an audio file or write something down. And you can also call the feedback line on 719 270 5114. 719-270-5114. I will be back pretty soon for A Blindside 106. Looking forward to your company then. Thanks for listening to The Blind Side, a production of Mosin Consulting. On the web at mosin.org.